The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Bootleg After Dark, brought to you by the power of procrastination and us not doing our third show for the day until uh, darn near 11 o'clock at night. Uh, but we're powering through. We set a goal. We're doing three shows a day so that we can get out one per day on the channel. Uh, as of the time of us recording, it is uh, temporarily still June 5th. <laughs> this goes out at some point later in the month. So forgive us if there is uh, some sort of groundbreaking news that happens in the next 10 or 11 days before this goes out. Uh, we are talking AFC North today. We are doing... Uh, predictions for division winners and rookies of the year and uh, basically everything uh, you could possibly want to know about the AFC North. Uh, with that, Jay, roll the intro. Yeah! Welcome, welcome, welcome once again uh, to the Possibly latest episode we've ever had of the Bootleg Football Podcast in three to four-ish years of doing this. I don't think we've ever recorded this late, but it's it's a necessary evil. Right. Uh, I, I have myself a, a nice Sagamore uh, barrel pick straight from Baltimore since we're doing an AFC North episode today. Uh, it's 110 proof. I'm ready to get fucked up, EJ. How are yes. you? So we're going to be speedy, and I do not. Uh, have 110 proof anything because I would like to make it all the way through this one without falling asleep. I mean, you had one glass of it earlier and you're like, that's enough. That's <laughs> that's, that's great. I'm all right. That's gasoline. Yep. In a good way. It's tasty gasoline. It is tasty gasoline. First half uh, wakes you up. Second half puts you to sleep. Once again, if you're new to the show, we're uh, doing our AFC North wrap up today. We did uh, very, very, very in-depth team-by-team deep dives throughout the uh, previous four days of this week. Mm -hmm. So if you want to learn everything you could possibly need to learn about any of these AFC North teams, whether it's schematic information, personnel additions, personnel subtractions, coaching changes where applicable, uh, pretty much anything you could ever need to know has been covered this week in the division. And today we're taking all of the knowledge that we dropped throughout the last four days and making predictions based off of that. But... Before we get to those, EJ, please take us through what happened in the AFC North last year and who won this absolute hellhole of a division where nobody gets out alive. No, everybody takes everybody out behind the woodshed every week in this division. In 2022, uh, the Bengals were the winner behind the woodshed, 12 wins. Um, of course, 
went to the playoffs, did very well. Ravens also went to the playoffs with 10 wins despite many bumps in their road. The Steelers, nine wins with Kenny Pickett at the helm, at least at the end of the season. Uh, And the Cleveland Browns, seven wins, 10 losses. So in terms of late season surge teams, these are teams that do well in the last five games. Cincinnati, Sterling, 5-0, rolled right to the end, winning all of it. Uh, Pittsburgh, 4-1 and one in their last five. So one of those teams that sort of hit the hockey stick curve right towards the end of the season, leading to a lot of optimism for 2023. All that being said, in terms of the bootleg power score rankings that we talked about all week, in summary, this is a really strong division. Bengals have, again, lowest score is best here. Their bootleg power score is 9. The Ravens were at 12. The Steelers at 16 and the Browns at 18. So for the divisional summaries, we're going to take those scores and add them, not average them. And the added score for the AFC North is 55. Now, Keep in mind, by the <laughs> way, for context, the NFC North was 77. So the AFC North, just based on power score, which is predominantly based on EPA, it's not our own stat. That's right. Um, I mean, it's, it is our own stat, but it's based off of like real stats. Uh AFC North was significantly stronger overall. Now, will that play out in 2023? We'll see. We do think the NFC North is good, but the AFC North last year was absolutely ridiculous. That might be one of the lowest combined scores we're going to see this entire summer. An incredibly strong division, and this is where this these scores are really going to help folks understand um, as football teams and then as divisions, how good were they at just playing football And AFC North was a very strong set of four teams. Now, looking at uh, notable free agent additions, again, if you want full summaries for each team, breaking down additions uh, one by one, go watch those episodes individually. But in terms of the division as a whole, EJ and I were tasked with each picking our favorite free agent addition out of everything for every team. What was the best one? I went with Zadarius Smith which was a trade. Again, mm-hmm. it's not, it's really more just additions, Veteran by, additions. by any yeah. you know method. I went with Zedari Smith. Uh, and again, if you remember the Browns episode, it was talking about how uh, it, to play the type of defense they want to play. They need a, uh, a very big, solid edge player so that they can play a lot of the quarters type stuff they want to play and still be able to stop the run. Can't stop the run from quarters unless you, A, have an absolutely dominant interior defensive line but b also have an edge that can not only set an edge but also be able to peek inside and spill things out for the two safeties that are going to be screaming downhill and and containing stuff outside a lot of the time in quarters the the force player so to speak is going to be safeties not the edges so you need to have somebody who can do both uh, so that you can run a variety of different coverages Zadarius smith has experience in that type of defense he's played most of his career in that type of defense and he's really damn good at it so i felt personally uh, like the browns picking up him was uh, one of the better moves by anybody in the offseason yeah it's extremely strong and it's going to help them uh, pun intended set their defense they needed that role filled he's an excellent player to fill it it's a really good match today's episode is brought to you by butcher box you could take the guesswork out of buying high-quality meat and have it delivered right to your door from ButcherBox as often as you want it. All of their beef is 100% grass-fed. They also have free-range chicken, wild-caught seafood, and pork that's raised crate-free. 
On the YouTube version of this show, you've seen a lot of the food that I've cooked using different meats from ButcherBox, like those Cajun rib tips, the strip steak that I made with that Lagavulin 16 jalapeno chimichurri that I probably should put a recipe in the description at this point because I get DMs about it basically every single week now. But uh, yeah, it's really, really freaking good. And you've also seen me use the ground beef that ButcherBox delivers to make a really solid dirty rice as well. I'm not going to pretend like I'm as good at making it as folks down in Louisiana, but, you know, for a Californian, it ain't too bad. And if you're like me and you're hopelessly obsessed with dirty rice and you would make it every single day if you could, or even if you've never tried it before but you do want to make it for yourself just to see if you also would be hopelessly obsessed, any order that you get from ButcherBox right now, I mean, whatever your first order is, it applies to everything, and you use promo code BOOTLEG on that order, you will get two pounds of ground beef totally free in every single box for the next year. So you could make all the dirty rice or really anything else that you use ground beef for, whether it's burgers or anything throughout grilling season. Again, you're getting free ground beef in every single box for an entire year. It's a ridiculous deal. Plus, you're going to get $20 off that first order as well. Again, all you got to do is just use promo code BOOTLEG on ButcherBox.com BOOTLEG, and you get all that free ground beef. You get the discount on the first box. And most importantly of all, you get really good meat to cook with. ButcherBox is one of my favorite sponsors just because I use them personally so much and I have always been extremely satisfied with every single order and I think you're going to love them too. So thank you again to ButcherBox for sponsoring today's show and for being such a great partner to this channel. And with that, let's get back to it. My pick, I'm going to go down with the ship. Uh, I thought about picking Sidney Jones for Cincinnati. I think he's going to get a lot of work. I'm going with Elijah Moore. I won't get off the ship. I'm, I'm going to go right down. <laughs> Year with it. three. Year three. Going. I believe I'm going to be a truther. Um, is he going to be the most impactful? No, but he might be my favorite to watch. I hope. I hope he integrates well into that offense and hits anywhere near the heights we hoped for him when he got drafted. Um, so he's going to be my pick, but there was a lot of good choices here. Could have gone with uh, Isaac Sayamalo of Pittsburgh. I think he's going to be a very solid addition. Flashy, no. Very effective, yes. Lots of choices, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go down with the uh, Elijah Moore ship. In terms of top rookie additions, again, each one of us was tasked with picking our, I don't want to say best pick, but favorite pick. Uh, throughout the entire AFC North draft halls. All of them, I felt, had, um, well, I don't want to say strong drafts. We were kind of you know, on the Ravens. But uh, they all had kind of tentpole picks that we were really happy with, even if not all of them had entire classes that we were super enthusiastic sure. about. Uh, both of us, though, landed with two different Steelers defensive rookies mainly because the value for both of them was just so damn good. I went with Joey Porter. You went with Keanu Benton. I love the Keanu Benton fit. I loved him as a player. People that follow our work pre-draft know that, that I was very high on Keanu Benton. I feel like he can just become the next one in Pittsburgh. Dominant, physical, nose tackle, who has more pass rush ability than a lot of people gave him credit for as people sort of went back to his tape and became familiar with him. They're like, man, he's got some juice up the middle. He's not just a block in there to stuff the run. And if anybody's going to get you know, extra potential out of him, feels like the Steelers are a great fit to do that. 
could have gone with Porter. Heck, could have gone with Broderick Jones, uh, Zay Flowers we love. Um, you know, I even think Miles Murphy has an outside shot in Cincinnati to really, you know, hit in his first year. But in terms of just like love the player, love the fit, Keanu Ben was my guy. And Joey Porter, you know, again, on that same defense, when you look at schematically how the Steelers want to run things, it is a lot of man coverage. I mean, shitloads of man coverage relative to the rest of the NFL. They couldn't really make that work uh, in previous years, especially last year when your most expensive corner costs like $4 million. They just didn't have the dudes to do that. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. immediately should be able to step in and be a solid, if not better than solid, press man corner um, and just kind of allow them to run the scheme they want to run. They they want to play man coverage and dare you to beat it. Couldn't do it last year. They will be able to do it this year. Uh, absolutely perfect fit. And oh, by the way. Yeah. And oh, by the way. His dad's a franchise legend. Like it, it yeah. just fits for so many different reasons. I still can't believe that pick even happened. Yeah. And he played college ball right down the road. Yeah. And he's got super long arms. Played and, high school in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's, obviously, his dad there, you know, it's just perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. Uh, all right. That brings us to division predictions. We are speed running through this thing because it's very late at night. <laughs> we are right. both exhausted. <laughs> uh, division MVP. I went back and forth on this one a lot. Now, ultimately, we did end up both on the same name, which is Joe Burrow. But I struggled not to put Lamar as my pick. The only reason I didn't is because, again, I want to see Lamar have a healthy season. Mm -hmm. But fully healthy Lamar Jackson for 17 games. I love Joe. I love Joe. But. I feel like Lamar is a harder quarterback to defend against yes. when he is fully healthy. That's why I put him at Offensive Player of the Year, because I couldn't not put him on one of these awards. I gave Joe MVP just because he is more consistent, more reliable, you know, in terms of durability. And, oh, by the way, he's an assassin himself. But a fully armed and operational battle station, uh, being Lamar Jackson, Pretty damn hard to beat. If we get to see Lamar fully healthy with a passing offense designed by Todd Monken, he could absolutely be not only the MVP of the division, but the MVP of the league. It's a lot of change. It's a lot to ask. If he can do that, yes, he is definitely a player that's more difficult to defend than Joe Burrow. But again, you know my religious beliefs. I will not bet against <laughs> Joe Burrow. And they have established themselves as a power in this division and one of the top powers in the conference as well. I don't feel like there's any reason that I should sort of doubt their prowess and especially not Joe's. You know, he didn't lose any weapons. That team is really staying together. It's supported by a great defense. I'm going to put, you know, Joe at division MVP. Uh, but for offensive player of the year, I went with his top weapon because I feel the same about Jamar Chase like you do about Lamar Jackson. I couldn't not mention him. There's no way I can look at how good he is and how productive I think he's going to be and not have him on this list. I mean, it's a it's a fair choice, right? It's the same reason, you know, when we were picking Justin Jefferson for all the awards last year, which, you know, he ended up winning. Um, you can't not talk about him. Like, you can't not throw him in there in terms of most uh, – not just valuable, but just best overall offensive players at any position in the league. Like you take any offensive position player 
from the trenches to skill positions, even though, again, offensive line is skilled, you know, to quarterbacks, anything. Jamar Chase is, all told, probably one of the 15 best offensive players, period, in the NFL, I would say. You can't not talk about him. So I get that. Again, I don't want to try to be too quarterback biased, but... It's an embarrassment of riches in this division. There's a lot of good players packed into a, you know, one four team set. And they're not just good for the division. I mean, these guys are going to be fighting for league awards. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Jamar Chase, I I would be willing to bet if I was looking at uh, like odds for offense player of the year for him. He's got to be one of the top three receivers uh, in terms of odds, if not top two. Truly, if not top two. Uh, Now, defensive player of the year, TJ Watt was your choice. I feel like it's your choice for something every single year. If he stays healthy, it's the same <laughs> argument for Lamar, right? I'm not voting against him. I went a little bit off the wall with mine, fully acknowledging he's not going to win it. He will never win it. Just getting to the Pro Bowl, I think, would be about the most we can hope for, for one DJ reader. That being said, in terms of best overall defensive players, not most recognized, but best overall defensive player in the AFC North. DJ Reader is right up there with anybody, including TJ Watt to me. That Bengals defense literally does not function without him. They only are allowed and able to do what they do from a coverage perspective mm-hmm. because they have DJ Reader. Their math doesn't make sense up front. They consistently are down a body in the box. And they still have a great run defense because of DJ Reader. He is by far one of the best defensive players at any position in the entire NFL. You know, same thing for Jamar Chase, how it's like best overall offensive mm-hmm. players at any position. He's top 15. I don't know if Reader's top 15, but he's at least top 25 defensive players in the NFL to me. Uh, and somebody who should get a lot more recognition, uh, but because of the position he plays, probably never will. DJ Reader, certainly one of the most notable, noticeable players in his absence. When he's not there, they look very, very different. When he comes back, suddenly, oh, they're good again on defense. So I think you see the value when he gets subtracted. When he's there, they play at a very high level. And look, Lou Anarumo counts on him to do so much um, that there isn't really another player, even a good backup on their team that you can put in and do the same amount of things and free up as many other players on defense. So he's an incredibly valuable player. I'm with you. He's not going to win the award. Doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it. In terms of offensive rookie of the year, I have a similar type of of position here where I fully acknowledge Broderick Jones is not going to win it. Offensive lineman, I I don't think if they've ever won offensive rookie of the year off the top of my head, I don't think they have, uh, or if they have, it's been a very long time. Right. Um, doesn't mean that there has not been offensive linemen that were deserving of it. You could have very easily argued uh, Creed Humphrey. You know, the year that that he came out, he was immediately a top two center in the entire league. Um, I would say Zach Martin in his year. Uh, like, there's there's been plenty. Like, Quentin Nelson in his year, you could have argued for him, too. It never happens, even with guys that are, like, immediate nope. all-pro caliber. That being said, Broderick Jones, again, I'm not projecting him to be all pro caliber, but in terms of like most important offensive rookies, hard for me to say anything other than him. I think he's going to be an immediate starter in Pittsburgh and a quality starter in Pittsburgh. His talent is 
freaking unbelievable. Like, there's really no other way to describe it. He's an extremely smooth mover at tackle. He's got length. He's got power. He's got flexibility. He's got quickness. He has everything you want. I think uh, eventually he could be a Dwayne Brown type of tackle. Not saying he'll get there immediately, but he could eventually be that type of guy and uh, has been sorely needed in Pittsburgh for a while. Yeah, I think he feels a tremendous need and will play well fairly quickly. I think by midseason, we're going to see him start to lock it down and probably just not leave that state for some time. I'm going to go with Zay Flowers. He's going to be competing for what I think is probably wide receiver two reps in Baltimore off the jump. By the end of the season, he could be wide receiver one for them. That's a lot to put on any rookie. If anybody can do it out of this wide receiver class, I'd say it's him. And if that new offense, passing offense specifically, clicks in Baltimore and he forges a connection with Lamar, they start hitting it hot early. He's going to start racking up numbers in that offense, both receptions and yards. Don't know about touchdowns, but he's going to have plenty of highlight plays. Again, they're going to be a power team in the AFC. That's going to get him a lot of shine. It's important for these awards. I'm going to pick Zay Flowers. For Flowers to win, not just Rookie of the Year in the AFC North, but Rookie of the Year, period, hmm. for Offensive Rookie of the Year, a lot of that is going to depend on what does Odell look like and right. what does Bateman look like. If Odell is still Odell, I don't know if he'll get the target share now for him to to really make a push for that award. If Odell is showing his age and showing, you know, battle scars from injuries and everything like that, he doesn't quite look the same. Again, I'm not saying he won't, but if he doesn't quite look the same and he's really more of that kind of veteran number three, like Marvin Jones-ish type now at Mm -hmm. this point in his career, there will be an opportunity for Zay to demand, not like actually demand himself, but (laughs) command, yes, a, a greater target share. In terms of like my grade for him coming out versus Bateman, pretty darn close. Like you could argue either way. Um, and so I, I don't think it's automatic that Bateman's going to be, uh, you know, heavily featured over Zay or the other way around, right? I, I think that the only way that Zay doesn't have a hyper productive rookie year is if Odell is still Odell and is very clearly like so much better than everybody else, which at, at this stage we don't know. We really don't know. Um, but either way, Zay's really good in long term. You and I both are, are big, big, big believers in him. Defensive Rookie of the Year. We actually have agreement on this one. Joey Porter Jr. Yeah. In terms of immediate impact starters, in terms of scheme fit, in terms of all the reasons why, you know, when I talked about him being my favorite pick in the division, it's not that Keanu Benton won't make a push for it. It's not that Miles Murphy or DJ Turner won't make a push for it. I could even see the argument that if like Siaki Ika somehow single-handedly fixes the Browns run game, he can make a push for it. <laughs> you, you're not giving it to DJ Reader, but you might give it to Siaki Ika. I'm just got to got to talk about the Browns at some point here, yeah. right? Hey, I picked uh, Elijah. <laughs> um, but in terms of of just immediate impact, uh, it's hard for me to pick anybody other than Joey Porter. He's plug and play. 
he's a tremendously good fit for the system. It's not like, oh, if he makes this adjustment, it's going to be great. It's like if he keeps doing what he's been doing, he's going to be awesome from day one. He even had to learn how to play differently in college this year because very few people threw at him. And that was after his dominant stretch of play the year before. So he's already had to make adjustments that other rookies don't, right? How do you still have an impact in the game when the sort of game goes away from you and you don't see the ball a lot? Um, Still ended up being drafted extremely highly to a system fit that's perfect. He's got the physical skills. Like It just feels like one of those players that it almost felt disingenuous to say that it was like going to be a camp battle for his spot when he got drafted. It's like, no, he's going to start for us from day one. Everybody knows it. That's Joey Porter Jr. In terms of coach of the year, this one is really hard because yeah. there's all four great coaches. They're all really good. Now, Zach Taylor, we were kind of questioning a little bit there, like early in his tenure, but I think he's grown into um especially over the course of the last like 18 months, he's grown into being a very, very good coach. Um, I think he learned from a lot of his mistakes. He definitely got away from the, I'm just going to, you know, let Joe run 989 and bail me out of, you know, bad calls. I think his clock management's gotten better. I think his situational football's gotten better. You know, once he stopped calling those stupid fucking shovel passes on the goal line, like, He's he's learned from a lot of mistakes, and there was legitimate grievances that people had with him yes. in the first uh, year or two. But I feel like even with Joe Burrow at quarterback, you don't go to the Super Bowl and then you know make a deep playoff run the year after and don't really have a hangover without being a good coach. That just doesn't happen, right? Nope. So I think Zach Taylor has grown into being a very good coach. We know Mike Tomlin's a first ballot Hall of Famer. We know John Harbaugh probably will be a hall of famer like you get him one more ring and it's guaranteed um well get him one more ring and he's also first ballot but i i think he's like right almost there uh with tomlin in terms of being a lock but he'll probably get there by the end of his his tenure in baltimore being a hall of famer himself uh and then you know stefanski pretty fucking good himself too like mm-hmm. you know they're there are problems that I've had with the Browns organization. Sure. I don't I don't really attribute those to Kevin Stefanski. No. Or even to Andrew Barry. I'm more attributed to, to Jimmy Haslam, to be perfectly frank. Sure. Uh, Stefanski himself, I think, is the best coach the Browns have had in, oh, God. A uh, good bit. A, a long, long time. One quick note, and then we'll get right back to the show. We are officially right at the start of summer. That means we're all going out to the lake, we're going to the beaches, we're having pool parties and cookouts and all the fun stuff we normally do over summer. And if you want to look good and clean and tidy when you go to all these events, at least I hope you do, that's where Manscaped comes in. If you don't own a trimmer, but you do want to take care of yourself, you want to look good, Manscaped has everything you need and more. You don't have to go out and start shopping for individual products and put together a list. They have everything all in one place, okay? It's the easiest thing ever. They've got the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which has ceramic blades, their skin-safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, a 7,000 RPM motor, an LED spotlight, and oh, by the way, it's waterproof. They also have the Weed Whacker for ear and nose hair trimming, also with skin-safe technology, and also an even more powerful motor. They also have the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver, plus their ultra-premium body washes and shampoos and conditioners and even colognes that all smell really damn good. 
they even sell boxers and it even all comes in a, a free travel bag when you get the performance package so that it's easy to keep everything together when you're traveling for the summer like I said, if you can think of anything, they probably have it. So if you want to keep yourself clean and tidy and looking good this summer when you're going out to all these different events, you can get 20% off your order plus free shipping with code bootleg at manscaped.com. Again, that is 20% off of whatever you order in the catalog. Just take a look at it. That's all I need you to do. Just see if there's anything you want. And if you do land on something, again, that is 20% off plus free shipping with promo code bootleg at manscaped.com. Thank you to Manscaped for partnering with us once again. And with that, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I, you know, this is a lot of coaches in, again, in a division. It's an embarrassment of riches for the division. It's one of the reasons that these games, these, you know, interdivisional games every year are so difficult because there aren't any easy outs. It's not like there was a little bit of that with Zach Taylor in his first year, like, and, you know, Joe didn't have all his weapons and the line was terrible. So the other three teams were like, ah, it's a little bit easier to go play Cincinnati. That is well and truly over. Tomlin every year, never going to be below 500, always going to get the best out of his guys. I'm going to go with John Harbaugh as mine because it's about movement for me. Uh, a lot of people seem to have forgotten about the Ravens, even though they were a 10 win team last year, which is a huge credit to Harbaugh, given the fact that he was without his primary quarterback for a good chunk of the year. And there were lots of other issues um, decided this year to move on and change his offense. You know, we both think that's a couple of years too late necessarily, but he did make it did make that move. So he's going to get credit for it. And if they make the jump, we think they're going to make to legitimately pushing the Bengals for the top spot in this division, which would also be pushing for the top spot in the conference, given how good the Bengals have been. I think Harbaugh is going to get, I'm going to say proper recognition for the coaching job he's done. And if they make a deep playoff run, I could easily see him being coach of the year in this division. Yeah, he's he's very much uh, in that kind of Andy Reid type tier for me. You know, uh, in ter- which I mean, coach under Andy, so it makes a lot of sense. But in terms of his ability to be in one place for a long time and still have his message in the locker room resonate the same as his first year, right? Mm-hmm. He has he's had some losing seasons, but he's never lost the group. Yeah. Um, the only time I think he ever came close was when he's been a little bit too loyal for his own good to some assistants or staff members that uh, that were not popular with players. Harbaugh's always been popular with players. Maybe just not some of the assistants. And, you know, we saw when they got rid of uh, Steve Saunders this this offseason, I think it was because Harbaugh, as loyal as he is, finally got to the point where he's like, I can't I can't keep him anymore. I can't justify it. I can't I can't do it. And you know, same thing with Roman. He was painfully loyal to Greg Roman. I don't think it's a fault of Harbaugh. You know, some people would qualify it as a fault. Again, he's loyal to his guys. Um yeah, it's a feature, not a fault. But but he himself has never lost the room. Just some of his assistants have. Um, now, all that being said, you have John Harbaugh's coach of coach of the year of the division. Yeah. I have Zach Taylor as coach of the year of the division. Do you also have the Ravens winning the division? I can't do it yet. I've got them as a strong playoff contender. They could do it. But this is Cincinnati's division until further notice. They didn't lose Joe. 
They didn't lose any of their offensive weapons, which are amazing among the top tier in the league. Lou Anarumo's defense hit a felt like a what fifth gear mm-hmm. going into the playoffs last year. It wasn't a second gear or a third gear. They were playing at an incredibly high level. And when you have an offense and a defense both clicking and supporting each other that way, with lots of talent, Duke Togeman and his group have done a tremendous job stacking that roster. It feels like come and get it, right? And yeah, it you know it's trendy to pick movement and not pick the same names and say, oh, there's going to be you know all these teams flying up and down the charts. It doesn't feel to me like the Bengals are going anywhere. So it's kind of them standing out in the street, going, "My town." Step up if you want to. I'm not going anywhere. I don't know. I, well, here's the thing. Slight correction that's not really a correction. They did lose one weapon in Hayden Hurst. But True. they got Irv Smith. So it's kind of the same, you know, again, when Irv is healthy. Like, sure. I don't really think there's a drop-off at tight end. So I, I think you're correct in the sense that, like, the complement, overall complement of weapons they're fine. There is no decline there whatsoever. And in fact, you know, if you include Charlie Jones in there, if you include, you know, Chase Brown in there, I would I would say that maybe the complement of weapons overall in terms of depth is better than last year. And they were already fantastic, you know, uh, throwing that they also got Orlando Brown uh, on a relatively manageable contract at left tackle, which should be an upgrade. Now we had our problems with Orlando Brown, but Still an upgrade. I was going to say. <laughs> left tackle. Oh. Uh, you know, Cordell Volson's coming into his own. Ted Karras is still great. Alex Kappa. Uh, you know, again, when these interior guys are healthy, they're they're very good. And then you got uh, Jonah moved over to right tackle. They still have Lyle Collins there. I'm not – I haven't – I got to figure out what's going on there. I haven't sussed that one out yet. In terms of, like, who's supposed to be the starting right tackle for them. I would assume it's Lyle Collins and not Jonah because Jonah was getting his ass kicked last year. But maybe they're just going to sort it out in camp, let the chips fall where they may. Sure. I, I got to ask some of my Bengals folks, like, what's going on there? Because I thought <laughs> one of them would have got moved by now, but they just they kept both of them. Um, but anyway, to your point, the weapons are arguably better. The offensive line is arguably deeper. They still have Joe Burrow. They still have a great coach. Great staff overall. Lou Anarumo, Lou Anarumo might be the best defensive coordinator in the entire NFL. I also can't pick anybody other than the Bengals to win the division. Doesn't mean the Ravens won't be right there. Doesn't mean the Steelers won't be right there. Doesn't mean the Browns won't be making a playoff push themselves. We set pretty much all of these team ceilings at like 12 to 13 wins. All of them. If you told me that all four would make the playoffs, that they would make up the entire wild card slate for the AFC, I wouldn't bat an eye. A lot of people would be flabbergasted by that because the AFC is so strong, but the AFC is so strong because these teams are in it. But I still can't quite bring myself to bet against the Bengals yet. Yeah, if my reason is they lost Hayden Hurst. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was typing up the Bengals one, uh, the Bengals agenda, and I was looking through, I was like, because I really like Hayden Hurst, and I like the fit, and I thought he was better than the guy he replaced in that role. And I looked through the stats, and he had 414 yards last year. 
Yeah, it's not that big and I was of a like, deal. Yeah. I don't know. I thought he was thought he was more impactful than that. Can you go out and get another tight end that can get you three to four hundred yards? Yep. And you still got everybody else. So this is, I think, a more loaded division. And every year they kick the crap out of each other and sort of kick the legs out of each other's stools and beat each other up. Like it's like four brothers in a room, mm-hmm. right? And people tend to sort of put a cap overall in the division. Obviously, Cincinnati's sort of broken through that <laughs> barroom ceiling, if you want to say that. And and they're up there and and getting all the flashy headlines, but. You can go all the way down and make an argument for any one of these teams winning the division. Like, I think Cleveland has the sort of biggest reach to do that. Deshaun's got to play out of his mind. You could do the same for the Ravens and say, hey, Lamar in a new passing game and, oh, an actual stable of NFL wide receivers. They could be the top spot. Obviously, we've said the Bengals could be the top spot. And you go to Pittsburgh, look at that end of the season surge, the great draft they had, the additions they've made, and you could say... Yeah, Tomlin could make a run at it, and it would be legit. You're like none of those feels like huge stretches. No, and what you end up with is a really strong division in a really strong conference. There are divisions that we know are probably going to be bad, uh, and there are divisions that we don't really know anything about yet that we really can't suss out. Like I would say, the AFC South is one that I'm like really struggling to figure out, right? Because the potential swings between floor and ceiling for all of them are like massive. Yeah. The AFC North, contrary to those, I would be stunned if they are not one of the top three, if not top two divisions in the NFL. Absolutely stunned. Yeah. Top to bottom strength is tough to match in this division. We've talked about, oh, there's a lot of good coaches. Oh, there's all these players that we could pick for, you know, Offensive player of the year, and any one of them could win. We've talked about all the teams as possible division winners. It's just good top to bottom. And there's different stories for each of them, but none of them is fully, none of these teams is fully in rebuilding mode. Um, None of these teams has a crisis at the top in terms of really shaky GM who's on the hot seat. They all have. Pretty good stability there. Like none of them are Arizona. That's the point. <laughs> or at least twenty twenty two Arizona. They're just solid top yeah. to bottom, front office coaching players. All four of them. It's a great division. I really can't wait to watch them beat the crap out of each other once again. Uh, <laughs> it's it's tough to pick, but it's fun to watch. And those are the best kind of divisions. Fully agree. Uh, we'll be back next week, going out west. Speaking of crazy good divisions afc west is coming in a couple weeks first we got nfc west which itself is very intriguing definitely not as deep because again we've got arizona and we have the rams which are it's it's sort of a rebuild sort of a reload i don't know there's a lot of nuance there we'll get into that next tuesday uh but the seahawks and the niners are still as good as ever and and could be playoff teams themselves so nfc west very intriguing that's next up on the docket And uh, with that, we will see you Monday. Take care.